Remember what I asked you to do at the very beginning? I asked you to remember the song that we just sang. Remember what song it was? About God being good, right? Don't forget that. It's very, very important. If you have a worship folder, um, in your worship folder is an outline. It has some things to fill in and some, some verses on it. Um, we're in a series on when God seems. We've looked at a couple different things, and I just want to say, in all the time I've ever preached, I have never been late, ever, to last week. And I was late in both services. Isn't that just incredible? And somebody said, was that on purpose? I'm not telling. (laughs) But I was on time today. I was late last week because we talked about last week when God seems late. We talked about Lazarus and how God seemed late, but he still did it above and beyond what they could have ever imagined. It's a little bit tougher this week. This week... We're going to talk about, last week, God did it. This week, we're going to talk about, what about when God doesn't? When he doesn't do it. When, from our perspective, he seems uncooperative. Like you, I have many stories. I have many stories about things that I have asked God for. Big things, little things, all different kinds of things. Um, one, one that comes to mind, most of the things, the little things have to do with cars because cars have always been an issue in, in our family. But I remember I was a youth pastor at a church downtown Minneapolis and um, we were ending some event of some kind and there was, there was a work, one of the leaders left and some of the kids left. Um, I'm still there. They were on their way out, but um, downtown Minneapolis. And one of the the kids comes running up and says, the leader, I can't remember her name, but the leader, her car won't start. And she has to be somewhere, and she needs you to look at it. And it's like, what am I going to do? You know? You know what they said? Pray. Pray over it. We just got done talking about faith and stuff, and it's like, it's a Toyota, okay? I'm not saying anything bad about Toyotas, but at that time in my life, that was 30 years ago, what I knew about Toyotas was the name. That was it. And so we go out there, and I got these kids expecting me to pray over this car, and I got this, this worker, this female worker. She's young. She doesn't know anything about cars. She can't afford to have somebody come tow her car. We're downtown Minneapolis, and it's like, God, could you do something here? You know, they said, here, I'll open the hood. It's like, yeah, that's not going to help. <laughs> so they open up the hood. I, I pray. They open up the hood, and I'm looking down at the engine. It's like, yep, that's an engine. <laughs> and I kid you not, it was like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, look at that. I look over here, like underneath this thing, and there's a hose, just a rubber hose, not like a gas liner, just a rubber hose, and it, it, there was a thing that it was supposed to fit on, and it had come off. And I looked at it, and it's like, I bet that's like a vacuum line or something. It can't have anything to do with her issue. So I reach down, plug that on. She gets in, boom, car starts. No problem. And I wanted everything in me to go, yep, I do that kind of stuff on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> And it's like, no, God just did that. He just answered that prayer. I understand that's trivial. I understand that's a little thing. There have also been times in my life, and I'm pretty sure there have been times in your life too, when there have been things that weren't so trivial, that you prayed for and you prayed for. It was, it was your friend. It was your loved one. 
It was some relative. It was you. It was some situation that you prayed for. And, and like me, you agonized over it. You prayed about it. You, you wanted God to solve this problem. It was not going the way that it should, and you prayed about it. You prayed for this relative who was sick, or you prayed for this relative who had strayed, and they, they just weren't coming back, and you prayed, and you prayed, and God didn't do it. And we wonder, why would God do something so insignificant as help somebody fix a Toyota when he doesn't do this thing over here that is so much more important? And I have a feeling that many of you here listening to this have been in similar situations. God's answered the prayer for the parking spot at the mall. You were in a hurry, and you didn't, it was Christmas time, and it was busy, and it's like, God, I just need a close parking spot because i got to get this. But then you're praying for this relative who needs healing, and nothing, and they don't get healed. I know everybody here has and probably are praying for some pretty important things. There's some things that are happening in your life. Maybe, maybe there's some healing that needs to take place, maybe physical, maybe emotional, maybe spiritual. Maybe, maybe there's relationships that you have just struggled with and this relationship needs restored and you know that that would be the best thing and you're praying for it and it's just not happening. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's, maybe it's just pain in your life. There are so many different things that people can be praying for and God doesn't seem to be answering it. And maybe, maybe God's not going to answer it the way you think. Nothing's happening. And God seems uncooperative. And you know, as well as I do, God could answer it. But He doesn't. Why? We're going to talk today about the Apostle Paul. Amazing, amazing guy, Apostle Paul. And I just want to, we're going to share one quick, brief, specific story from Paul's life. And as I said, it's a little tougher this week. There's no five easy steps and everything's okay. This is, this is tough because there are times when God says, we've talked about this. There are times when God says yes. There's times when God says not yet. But there are times when God says no. So we're going to talk about that today, and I want to give you three thoughts about prayer. These, if you're taking notes, these are on your outline. Three things to remember about prayer. So if you're going through something, if you're in the middle of something, you need to take notes. If you just got through something, you need to take notes because you're going to need to process this. If everything's good, take notes. It's coming. That's, I'm just warning you. Here's the first thing to remember about prayer. Very, very important. True prayer isn't about getting our way, but surrendering our will. That's very easy to say and very difficult to live. But true prayer isn't about getting our way. It's about surrendering our will. And in case you're tempted to push back a little on this and say, no, 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 God answers prayer, you know, he does. Remember what we talked about last week, just briefly. Jesus Christ in the garden, moments before he was arrested and went to trial and was crucified. Jesus prayed in the garden, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? It's not my will, but yours be done. 
wasn't about getting someone's way. It was about surrendering our will to God. Same thing. You remember the disciples said, teach us to pray, Jesus. Everybody, you know, remembers the Lord's Prayer. It's funny because it's not really the Lord's Prayer. They said, teach us to pray. He, was tell- that, he said, that's your thing. <laughs> but, but here's how you do it. And you remember the line from that, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about getting our way. It's about God's will and surrendering our will to God's will. So we're going to look at this from the life of the Apostle Paul, just like I said, one brief incident today. Um, and in case you, you know, you're, you're kind of new, you don't, you, you don't know what's happening with Paul, in case you don't know, here's a little bit of primer. Because the Apostle Paul, if anybody deserved to have their prayer answered, it was him. Big deal. Paul started out hating Christians. Anybody ever had somebody hate you? You know, I have a feeling there's people here who hate me. <laughs> I have a lot of people who hate me. It's just the way it is. But Paul, no, not like the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul. He hated Christians and he actually hunted them down, turned them in, was responsible for many, uh, uh, many deaths of Christians. So we have a Christian hating murderer. That's how his story starts. And then miraculously, God changes his life, shines his light down into Paul's life, lets Paul see who he really is and realize the people he was hunting down, that's not where his argument was. His argument was with Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm the one that you're doing this to. And Paul came into a relationship with Jesus and he was saved. And when Paul was saved, he was saved. There was no denying it. He started being a bold voice for Jesus. Half of the New Testament, starting right there, was written by him. Big deal. He had these amazing visions that God would give him that he could write down some of them. Some of them he just kept to himself. And God gave him these amazing visions. He raised dead people. That's a big deal. I remember in one service... I, I, I said something similar to this, and I said, how many of you have ever seen that? You know, how many of you have ever raised somebody from the... I had two people raise their hand. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> he raised people from the dead. He traveled for about 20 years by ship, going to different places, sharing the gospel, and the reason the gospel got to Europe was because of him. He started churches all over that area spread out that that's the reason that we're here today is because he was faithful but he paid a huge price for doing that for saying yes to God and being faithful he was imprisoned more than once he was shipwrecked more than once five times he was whipped and when they whipped people back then you know we hear the phrase you know 40 lashes they could they never gave anybody 40 lashes Because if you gave somebody 40 lashes and they died, you were guilty of murder. So they would give people 39. So if you died, it's not my fault. Only did 39. Can you imagine five times? I mean, the first time is bad. Ripping your back open, you have scars all over it, and then it happens again. Why? Because you're following Jesus. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. Five times. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. He was was beaten with rods. He was stoned. 
not recreationally. <laughs> I need to clear that up. This is not Colorado, all right? That's when they did it with rocks. He was stoned and left for dead. And if you were here last week, he was really only mostly dead. <laughs> he was not all dead because he, he, they just left him for dead and the, his friends came and got him and it's like nursed him back to health. And he went through all this for one reason. He followed Jesus. And I look at what he accomplished with his life and I think if anyone deserved to have God answer their prayer, it was him. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. He talked about some of his amazing things, the visions that he had, the things he'd done. He said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, because of all the things he accomplished, that would be a real test. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh. And the description is amazing a messenger of Satan to torment me so that he wouldn't be conceited. The thorn in his flesh, the word thorn, scallops, you don't really need to know that. What it literally means is it's anything sharp. Um, it It could be used for a splinter. It was also used for a stake, the kind that they would execute people with and drive it through them to kill them, or put them on a stake. It was, um, it was when he said, a thorn in my, pl- in my flesh, everybody understood this was something that was very sharp, very painful, and not something you just ignore, you know? You get a splinter that's a bad splinter, you don't just ignore it. Everything you do touches it, you know? It's, just, it's always there. And we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. There's some people who they, they write about it and they make it sound like, well, I know what it was. Like, no, you don't. You have good guesses, but you don't know what it is and it doesn't tell us what it is. It could have been a very physical thing. It could have been just um, uh, migraine headaches. A lot of people thought he got really bad headaches, um, w- not knowing what the cause was. Some people thought that he got like malaria that kind of kept coming back, which can cause incredible headaches. Some people thought it was a speech impediment because of the way some people talked about how he spoke and how he would write, you know, in such an amazing way. But when he spoke, it was like, hey, much to listen to. We don't know that. Some people thought that it was a problem with his eyesight because in one of his letters, he says, see, I'm writing this with my own hand in really big letters (laughs) because not so that they could understand it, but because he couldn't see the small letters. So we don't know what the problem is. Some people thought it wasn't physical like that. Some people thought it was just the opposition to his message or, you know, some kind of temptation or something. We don't know. Here's what we know. He had this thorn in the flesh that he suffered with, that his words were, it tormented him. And I know that everybody here, you also have some kind of a thorn in the flesh. Could be sitting next to you. Don't look. (laughs) Trust me. It could be something physical. It could be headaches. It could be depression. It could be sleep issues. It could be addiction. It could just be simple things like, you know what? 
I need reliable transportation. Can you come pray for my Toyota, Tim? (laughs) It could be that something in your life needs change. Something in relationship needs change. It could be financial issues. It could be that you're just praying for someone else. You're praying, you're asking, you're asking, and God is not doing what you're asking. We need to remember true prayer isn't always about getting our way. It's about surrendering our will. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control. I'm going to say that before I move on. Listen very carefully. We're not in control. If you're not a control freak, that doesn't matter. If you're a control freak, I have bad news for you. You're not in control. Because we think we're in control. It's like, well, I can control these little things. No, you can't. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And prayer reminds us that as much as we think we have control, we're not in control. But here's what it does. It keeps us close to the one who is in control. That's what prayer does. It reminds us, I can't change the situation. But I can get close to the one who can. And that's what prayer does. And so here's what Paul did. In the very next verse, verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded. Very strong word. I pleaded with the Lord. What did he want God to do? Take it away. Now this is not, I prayed three times. You know, I got up, breakfast, prayed. Oh, got this thorn. Take that away, God. Prayed at lunchtime, prayed at dinner. That's not what this is. This is three significant seasons of prayer days weeks months don't know significant seasons of prayer pleading with god you got to take this away i can't function with this i need this situation taken care of i don't know what it is for you there have been times in my life where things have been going on that they were not even of my making And I remember, I've shared some of those with you, some of those times of pleading. Some of them may seem insignificant. They were not insignificant at the time. I remember um, I I have a number of things in my past, long past, long past, of being in churches and being a youth pastor in churches. And just, I, I had one thing, one thing, and that was follow Jesus. All I wanted to do was follow Jesus. And the trouble that I had in those churches, it just, I had hair before that. It was so stressful. It was so difficult. And it's like, God, I'm just trying to do what you're asking me to do. And the pressure and the pain and the hate and the stuff that was going on. And I pleaded and I pleaded with God. And you know what he did? Nothing. It didn't change. Some of the situations, some of these situations were 35 years ago. I can look back at those places. I can look at those places. Now, it still hasn't changed. And I pleaded with God. And what I wanted was a good thing. And some of you, you're in the same situation. Maybe you're praying for some relatives. Maybe, some, maybe it's, you know, my parents' marriage is falling apart. And God, you know that this is not what you want. And you pray and you agonize and you go before God. Seasons of prayer. It's not just like at dinner time. Oh yeah, and pray for so-and-so. 
It's you're, you are doing the same thing Paul did and pleading with God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a kid who's wandered far from God. And you're pleading with God to have them come back. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's you that's suffering with something, with addictions or with health issues or with finances and things that need to be taken care of and you're pleading with God to take it away. And nothing's happening. I would like to be able to say, stick with it because God's going to answer that prayer. The truth is he may answer that prayer with a no. Paul begs, please take this away. Please. He pleads with God during these significant seasons of prayer and petition. And he says, I'm only asking you to do what I've seen you do for others. You know, I've, I, I, I've been part of this raising the dead. Can, can we take care of this thorn in my flesh? You see, if I was God, if I was God, here's what I'm going to do. Oh, man, Paul, you're amazing. The way you followed me, the way you've put up with all this stuff, the way you've suffered for me, we're going to make sure that things go good for you. We're going to make sure that your retirement is great, that everything works out good for you, and, and, and the end of your life is going to be a very pleasant thing because of the way that you have served God. See, that's how I would do it. And that's how we think it should be done. But that ain't what happened. In verse um, 9, the first part of verse 9 it starts with that word that often we just don't want to see. <laughs> but. But God said to me, what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. I have a, a coin in my pocket. It's a CR coin. And you know what it says on the back? It says, my grace is enough for you. I have to remember on a regular basis, my grace is enough for you. And it reminds me that this is where this on the coin comes from. God's, Paul said, take this away. And God, it doesn't say this, but God said, no, he didn't take it away. But he did say, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And then he explains it, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what God is saying. My power is made perfect in weakness. If you had everything the way it should be, and no pain, no stress, no disease, no death, no nothing, everybody would look at you and say, it's you. But God said, I want to work through those weaknesses. I want to work through that stuff. And we, we plead with God, heal me. Heal my loved one. Change the circumstances. Fix the problem. Relieve the pain somehow. And God says, no. Sometimes he says no. And he says, my grace is sufficient. He says the same thing to you that he said to Paul. My grace is sufficient. Do you think Paul understood? If you think Paul understood, no. Do you understand when God says no and says my grace is sufficient? No, we don't understand that. We'd like to say, oh yeah, God's grace is sufficient, everything's good. I pray for this, God said no, it's all good. That's not the way it works. There's agony, there's stress, there's pain. But God says my grace is sufficient. So what is grace? We use that word all the time. 
I want to say, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> what is grace? Say, grace is when God forgives our sins. Yes, that's grace. It is so much more. Though even just the word itself is so much more. The word charis means grace. It's used over 150 times in the New Testament. And it's, it's undeserved favor. It's, you know, mercy is when, when you don't get what you deserve. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve, the good that you don't deserve. It's undeserved favor. But it's more than the things that God does. It's more than the stuff He does. It's more than the feelings you get. Way, way more than that. It's God freely extending Himself. It's God leaning in to us, reaching to us because he is just disposed to bless and be near us. When you think of the word grace, think of God where you're in your difficult situation. Think of it as God just leaning right into you and looking you in the eye and saying, I'm here. I'm here. See, because here's the problem. If you're like me, Here's what you say to God. This, and fill in the blank on whatever this is, this is what I need. And God says, no, I am what you need. I am enough. I am sufficient. And if we always got everything we asked for, we wouldn't need God. He says, you know what? Sometimes the answer is no, that's not what you need. I am what you need. And here's, here's the bottom line on this. I can't explain it to you. Can't explain what it's like. You've experienced it. If you've experienced you can't explain it. You have to experience it. You have to experience that closeness and realize that in the middle of that situation that you thought you knew the answer to, and it was a good answer, and you were praying... And God said, my grace is enough. In those situations that I mentioned in in churches long ago, far away in other states and cities, when I knew that I was just trying to follow Jesus and I was being beat down continuously, and I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened. I think about those times. I still think about those times often. But it reminds me, I'm not in control but I need to be close to the one who is. I don't have to have all the situations change because it's not about getting my way. It's about surrendering my will. Right in the middle of it. Here's the third thing. Prayer isn't just asking, but trusting. It isn't just asking, but trusting. Now, it is asking. Never stop asking. Never stop praying for those things you're praying for. Never stop asking for that, that, um, that uh, uh, prodigal child to come home. Never stop asking for God to fix and heal those relationships. Never stop asking that because it is asking. And we need to be going to God with those things. But it's not, it's not just asking God for what you want. It's also trusting God for what's best. 
And in my life, what I want is not always what's best. I trust. I don't just ask. I ask, but I also trust. So in Paul's life, he had this horrendous thing that caused this incredible problem, discomfort, pain, whatever it was. We know that it caused him to significantly plead with God for three long seasons of time. And God said, nope, my grace is sufficient. And now the story that we're reading is actually him looking back on it. He's saying, this is what happened. This is where I was. This is what God didn't do. Here's what God said. And this is now looking back on it years later. See, Paul's looking back on this thorn, this situation, and he's saying, it's actually a good thing. When you're going through a difficult time, you will have somebody say something to you. I guarantee it. Um, And I'll tell you how not to respond. Don't punch them in the throat. They're going to look at you during this difficult time, and they're going to use these words. Time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. I know way too many people who have had a whole bunch of time, and there ain't no healing going on. There's just bitterness. Time does not heal all wounds. Time with God's presence heals. Time with God's presence is what heals. That's what heals wounds. And now Paul is looking back on this. Time has passed, years later. And here's what he says in the rest of verse 9 and verse 10. Therefore... Because God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, God said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Whatever this thorn in the flesh was that caused this pain for him, that caused these problems for him, he said, I delight. Here's where I'm at after all these years. I delight in these weaknesses. I delight in these insults. I delight in these hardships. And I listed some of the hardships for you. I delight in persecutions, those things that he went through, those whippings, those beatings, all those things. He says, I delight in the difficulties, and here's why. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. And it's not his strength. It's God's strength. Because he has that relationship. It realizes that relationship with God is far more important than any of these other things. It's certainly, do we pray for those things? Absolutely, we continue to pray for those things. But we pray for him so that we will get closer to him, surrender our will to him, and trust in him. You see, what changes over time is your perspective. Time does not heal all wounds. Time with God's presence heals wounds. Time with him heals wounds. So I I didn't give you specifics because I'm I'm not going to mention specifics. I'd just say it was another city, another town, another life it felt like. That I was dealing with these difficult things. I was dealing with people saying things about me that weren't true. I was dealing with people who were in leadership positions lying about me and to me. And it's like, God, I'm just trying to do your thing here. I'm not even in charge. And I pleaded with him And it didn't happen. And those were some of the most painful days in my life. 
It affected me. It affected my family. It affected everything. I look back on those things now, years later. Time does not heal wounds, but time with God's presence heals wounds. And I look back on those situations now, and and people have asked me, if you could change that, would you change that? It's a hard question. At this point, my answer is no. I would never choose to do it again. I would never want anybody else to have to go through what I went through. I never, ever want to go through it again. But I wouldn't change it. Because it brought me into a relationship with God that I wouldn't have today if I wouldn't have gone through those things. And so I look at that relationship with him and I say, that's the most important thing. That's what I have. That's why I'm standing here today. Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. I don't know what it is right now for you. I don't know. I don't want to play your thing down. I don't want to say your thing's not as big as my thing. You know, well, I suffered way more than you did. There, there are many people in this room that have suffered more than I ever will. But the truth is, whatever we're going through at the moment is suffering. I don't know what your thorn is. I don't know what you're praying for that's not going away. But what I do know is no matter how bad the moment is, the goodness of God is even better over time. I know that. The goodness of God. If God doesn't do exactly what you wanted Him to do, it doesn't make Him any less God. It actually makes Him more God. Because He can take that situation, whatever it is, even when He doesn't answer it your way, and bring good out of it. So, we continue asking. When somebody asks you to pray for somebody, you don't say, you don't say well, God's going to do what He's going to do, so whatever. You pray, you ask, we continue asking. Because I always am going to believe for miracles. I'm always going to pray for healing. I'm always going to pray for those situations to go the right direction. But we're going to trust because prayer isn't just getting God to do what we want. Prayer is often surrendering our will to God. Like Jesus saying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I want, God, but not my will. Your will be done. And we're going to keep praying and keep praying. I've seen God answer yes so many times. I've also seen him answer not yet. And I've seen him answer no. But he never just says no and turns away. He says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. So we're going to keep praying, and when it's difficult and we don't understand what's going on, we're going to remember that prayer reminds us we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. And so whatever that thorn is for you, because we all have a version of the thorn in our lives at one point or another, and I think maybe some just always, my prayer is that years from now, you'll look back and you'll say, wow, didn't like it didn't understand it but did God use it look at what he did through it because even when life doesn't feel good 
Our God still is good. He's always good. God can't be anything but good. When we say God is good, that doesn't mean his actions. It means his character. He is good. We serve and worship a good God. That's what we sang about. Now it's time to trust that he is a good God and surrender. And say, I don't understand. And you'll keep praying. But if the answer continues to be no, you'll realize that it's going to get me close to bow your heads. This is, this is difficult because there are no easy answers. Father, I know that there are a lot of people. They're struggling with things because they are just... They, what they're asking you for seems so good. There's a lot of people who have followed you. They have served you. They have been faithful to you. They have served with their time, their talent, their treasure. They have given to you days, weeks, months, years, decades. And what they ask you for, you don't seem to be doing. I pray that in the middle of that, they would see that it's, it, it's, it's you that they need. And that they will be able someday to look back on that and say, I would never want to go through that again, but look at what God did through it. And, and, and I and many others are closer to Jesus because of that. And that maybe even like Paul, we'll be able to look back years from now and say, as difficult as that was, I can delight in it because look at what God did. He took my weakness and his strength shone through. And he did amazing things through that. I know, Father, there's people listening to that that don't know Jesus. They, they, they know religion. They know that stuff. They've tried it. It doesn't work. God hasn't answered their prayers. We, there's so many different things. My prayer is that today that they would realize that it's not about that. It's about an intimate, personal relationship with a God who wants to lean into them, who gave everything so that he could just lean into them, so that he could be with them, because you are what we need. And I pray that anybody who hasn't made that commitment yet would realize today that it's about us leaning into a God who loved us more than anything. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, we could say, yes, I sinned, but Jesus paid for that. I believe that today. I'm trusting that, and I want that relationship with him. I want to be able to trust him like that. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.